Hi, this is John with Prodigal Church. We're so glad that you've downloaded this week's message. Our online ministry has enabled people from all over the world to access our weekly teachings. We're so grateful for you, whoever you are and wherever you are. For all things Prodigal, download the Prodigal app at your app store. And if you consider Prodigal Church your home, would you consider donating monthly at our website, prodigalchurchfresno.com. Thanks again for listening online. Now let's dive right into this week's teaching. It is good to be back. Last week I was on vacation with my family and Micah Foster did an amazing job of teaching us here at Prodigal. And now on to the message. Um, many years ago, musicians noted that the errand boys around the city of London whistled slightly out of tune. They would go along their way and along their work and they would whistle, but they were always off pitch. Uh, they discovered that the bells of Westminster were slightly out of tune. The boys did not know that there was anything wrong with the sound and unconsciously they matched the pitch of the attitude bell. And so it is with the world. We unconsciously copy the pitch of the world. Something is out of tune. Uh, so often our lives are off pitch. Something is off about the way we measure success. Uh, what are we missing? We are in the second week of our Summer of Love sermon series, traveling through the book of 1 John, and we are going to pick up where we left off a couple of weeks ago. And so we're gonna read uh, chapter two, verse 15 from the Message Translation. It says this, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love the world, love of the world, squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out, but whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. The world is our bell that is out of tune. This almost unconscious striving to, to keep up, wanting, wanting, wanting. We're keeping up with the Kardashians and we're keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, you're familiar with the phrase, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Its meaning is to strive to match one's neighbor in spending and social standing. And the first instance we have of using this phrase here in America was a 1913 comic strip, which later became a cartoon. And the Joneses in the cartoon weren't based on anyone in particular. They weren't even portrayed in the cartoon. You never knew who they actually were, but it was a common name. It was a generic name for neighbors. And the Joneses have everything that we want. They still do. Could this fictitious family, the Joneses, be the pitch to which we whistle? Could this be why our lives are so out of tune? This is something that we all do, right? Uh, my parents have iPhones, but barely, okay? I don't know if it's an iPhone 6 or if it's an iPhone 2, whatever it is, it's a dinosaur. And I was hanging out with them the other day and my mom answered her phone and I hadn't seen her phone in a long time and so it was shocking to see it. So here's a photo of my mom uh, answering her phone. Now, why do I feel the need to help them get the best iPhone or the newest iPhone? Why am I discontent with their older version some may say ancient version of the iPhone. Why do I feel the need 
to have the latest whatever in my own life. And this is just a small example of what we do to keep up with the Joneses, to, to tune our pitch to the world's. There's this constant pull to keep up. It's almost as if this world has a life of its own, a, a pulling, a drawing, a wooing of us. There's this lack of contentedness. I read of a magnet that said, I wish I was as thin as when I thought I was fat. Now, I know many people, women in particular, that 10 years ago, they would say that they were unhappy with their body. But if they fast forward to today, if they see a photo of themselves 10 years before, they would say, man, I looked good. I would say, just enjoy it now. And I do think TV and media and online, I think all of that plays a role in this. Uh, the average American watches about a thousand hours of television a year. That means by the time you're 65, you will have watched almost 10 years of TV. Sadly, if you went to church once a week for your entire life, that would equal about four months of spiritual teaching. Four months compared to 10 years. This is why we're often out of pitch, out of tune. The world is a combination of things that draw us away from God. And John's command here is in the present tense imperative. This indicates that not loving the world is to be a way of life for the believer. It's something that we don't just do once, but we continue to continue to avoid. Uh, the problem is that sometimes Christians get too attached to the things of this world. It says this, the world and all it's wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out, but whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Wanting, is, it's sticky. Uh, it's tempting. We want and we want and we want. And when we finally get what we want, it doesn't deliver. The object of your desire never lives up to its billing and you're left feeling empty and unsatisfied. And so you covet all the more. It's this endless cycle. The burger on TV is never as big and juicy as the ad shows it is. The truth is that the grass isn't greener on any side of any other fence. Uh, what's on the other side is often not even as good as what you currently have. Uh, I didn't necessarily grow up on a farm, but we did have cows from time to time. And we had this five acres and the cows would uh, stick their head through a barbed wire fence to eat the neighbor's grass rather than the grass that was right below them. Uh, too many Christians in our world are acting like those cows. Now, I know that some of you might be objecting right now. You would say, no, 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 you don't understand. Their grass really is greener on the other side. Uh, if you compare what I've got and what they've got, if you compare how they look and how I look, if you compare their kids to my kids, if you compare their happiness to my happiness, the grass is greener over there. Banksy, the great graffiti artist in the UK, said this, that you may think the grass is greener on the other side, but if you take time to water your own grass, it would be just as green. Man, I really believe that hits home for some of us today. And now let's get really practical here. Number one, choose your source. Where am I going to get my values, the world or the word? Two, then evaluate what's important. Make a list of the things that you really believe are valuable. And then three, live your life in that reality. It's really simple. Clarify what's important. This is something that only you can do. You take time. 
Think about what matters most in life and then live as if that is what's true because it is. There's a story of a young engineer who was sent to Ireland by his company. It was a two-year assignment and he had accepted it because it would enable him to, learn, to earn enough money to marry his longtime girlfriend. She had a job in her home in Tennessee and the plan was to put the money down together for a down payment when he returned. And they wrote often, but as lonely weeks went by and by, the girlfriend began expressing doubts about his continued faithfulness because of all the Irish lassies that he would be tempted by. The young engineer wrote back and he declared with some passion that he pays absolutely no attention to the local girls. He does admit that sometimes he's tempted, but he fights it because he's keeping himself for her. In the next mail, the engineer received a package and it was a little note and a small harmonica. And she wrote, I'm sending this to you so you can learn to play it and have something to take your mind off those girls. The engineer replied, thanks for the harmonica. I'm gonna practice it every single night thinking of you. And at the end of the two years, he was transferred back to the home headquarters in Tennessee and he took the flight back and her whole family was there and they embraced as they were reunited at last. And as he leans in to kiss her, she stops him and says, hold on there for a second. Before there's any kissing and hugging, let me hear you play the harmonica. There is a pitch that we copy that is the world. And it leads to envy, a keeping up with the Joneses. But there is a different tune, a different song, a, a song of the spirit, an ancient love song that takes practice, that takes intention, that takes refrain. That's where the life is. And in chapter three, the apostle John explores this ancient song. Verse one, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Now, I am a texter, okay? Uh, I love you, but I would rather text you than call you. And because there is no tone or emotion in texting, I have to use other ways of communicating that emotion. For example, if I'm excited about something, I use all caps and then I add some exclamation points, okay? Though you can't hear my voice through capital letters and punctuation, I make sure that you know how I feel about something. I did that to bring focus to what is in caps. And the Apostle John does the same thing here in verse one of chapter three. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. This word, see, it is in the aorist punctiliar imperative, okay? Say it with me out loud, aorist punctiliar imperative. Its equivalent would be using all caps. It's see, but it's neon. It's, it's highlighted, it's see. Do you see the great love that he has lavished on us? And it's beautiful. God is not like the gods of the ancient world that requires sacrifice and burnt offerings. And he's angry with his horrible people. No, he loves us. See that he has lavished his love upon us. That we might be called children of God. Verse two, dear friends, we are already God's children. 
but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. He has not yet shown us what we will be. We don't know the final product yet. We don't know exactly what he's up to. Now, I did not grow up with cable TV, okay? Uh, there was only a few channels to choose from. There was NBC and ABC, Fox, CBS, and of course, PBS on channel 18. And whenever I would flip through all the major channels and there was nothing to my liking, I would flip it to good old channel 18. And it seemed like every day this guy was on it, okay? Bob Ross, pretty little tree. It's, it's a happy tree, a happy little tree. What is he making? Every episode I go, how is this going to make sense? This doesn't look like anything good but he has some idea, he has something in his mind. What is he making? I don't know, but by the end of the show, I was clapping in awe of Bob Ross, not just because of his beautiful hair, but because of his beautiful painting. I, I had seen some of the things he's done before, so I knew it was going to be beautiful, but while he's doing it, and he's adding this big black streak I had no idea it was going to be a beautiful little happy tree. I may not know what the artist was doing, but I know the artist. He has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears, but we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. You see, the artist isn't finished yet. And maybe this is what the Apostle Paul was getting at in Philippians chapter 1. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. How many of you feel like you are being shaped right now? Sculpted? Pruned? Painted? It's not always comfortable. How many of you are in the middle of something right now and you're like, what is God up to? There is this huge black streak on the canvas. How can he make this beautiful? I would say stay with the artist because what you will be has not yet been revealed. There's a phrase that we don't hear all that often anymore. And when you say this phrase, it's you're frustrated with someone kind of beyond words. Okay? It's not a nice phrase. It, it does not leave our mouths with good intentions. And the phrase is this, you're a piece of work. Okay? I would like to redeem that phrase this morning for all of us. I want to say to you all, you're a piece of work. Okay? And so am I. The artist is not done with us yet. We do not yet know what we will be like. In verse 11, John tells us again about this great song. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. That's the song, that's the pitch. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. Whoa, John, whoa, relax. Just because I hate Karen in accounting doesn't make me a murderer. No, hating doesn't make you an actual murderer. 
but it does make you out of sync with Jesus. Uh, in my garage, when I go to take the trash out and it's dark and there's no lights on and it's the night, when I turn the light on, at times I will see uh, a cockroach running and hiding uh, very suddenly. The suddenness of my entry did not create the cockroach from being there. It only prevented it from hiding. In the same way, uh, the best evidence for what kind of person you are lies in what you do when you are off guard. Uh, the suddenness of a provocation does not make you ill-tempered. It just shows how ill-tempered you already are. When I snap at my kids, it wasn't that my kids made me impatient. It was the, my kids that revealed how impatient I already was. We are not yet fully knowing what we will become. God is work. I'm a piece of work, and so are you. Verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I mean, these verses, they're sermons. There's such beauty. There's such truth, such depth in John's writings. Verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Would you consider memorizing that verse this week? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. He first loved us. We receive that love, and then we love others in return. That's how it works. That's the beauty of Christianity. Now, I know it's July, but think of Christmas lights, okay? First, the electricity comes into the wire, then to the bulb and through its filament. Finally, it goes back into the line and onto the next bulb, and so on through the entire chain of lights. And as it flows out, not only into each one of those lights, but out of each of those lights, the entire circuit is completed and the lights become bright. If there's a light that's loose or a filament that's broken, it receives the electricity, but it doesn't pass it on. God has wired us like Christmas lights. He has wired us to receive the light of his love. And we are broken if we do not then move that light to others. He has wired us to pass it along. We have God's love to give. He first loved us. We receive that and then we love others. That is how it works. A mouse looked through a crack in the wall. He saw the farmer and his wife opening a package of food and that he wondered what it might contain. And he was aghast to discover that it was a mousetrap. And so retreating to the farmyard, he yelled to everybody, there's a mousetrap in the house, there's a mousetrap in the house. And the chicken clucked and scratched her head. 
and said, Mr. Mouse, I can see that this is a grave concern for you, but surely it's not a concern for me. I can't be bothered. And then the mouse turned to the pig and he said, there's a mouse trap in the house. And the pig said, I'm sorry, Mr. Mouse, but there's nothing that I can do about it. Surely someone else will step in to help you. The mouse turned to the cow, please help. There's a mouse trap in the house. And the cow mocked him and said, oh, so I'm, I'm in great danger? The mouse returned to the house, uh, dejected, downcast, to face the farmer's mousetrap alone. And that very night, a sound was heard throughout the house, the sound of a mousetrap catching its prey. The farmer's wife rushed to see what was caught in the darkness. She did not realize that it was not a mouse caught in the trap, but rather a venomous snake which struck her. The snake bit the farmer's wife, and the farmer rushed her to the hospital, and she returned home with a fever. Now, everyone knows that how you cure a fever with is a fresh cup of chicken noodle soup. And so the farmer went to the farmyard and butchered the chicken to make soup for his wife. His wife's sickness continued, so then, then friends and family came to visit her while she was sick. And so to feed them all, he slaughtered the pig. The farmer's wife did not get well. In fact, she died. And so many people came to her funeral that the farmer had to feed all of them. So he went out to the farmyard and he slaughtered the cow. So the next time you hear that someone is facing a problem and you think it doesn't concern you, remember that when the least of us is at risk, we are all at risk. He first loved us. We receive that. And then we go and love others. That's the song. That is the pitch to which we tune our lives, our, we tune our parenting, we tune our Christianity to the pitch of receiving God's great love for us demonstrated through Jesus on the cross and we love others. That's the song. God, I pray in Jesus' name that we grasp this, that we sing this song, that we move and dance to this song throughout our lives. Let us hear this music amidst the noise and out-of-tune bells in our world. May we tune our hearts to the risen Christ in every way, in Jesus' name, amen. We wanna thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. Next week, we continue our series, Summer of Love, and we tackle uh, 1 John chapter four. Also, we're gonna have a report back for, from the money that we had sent to help the people in Ukraine, and you're not gonna to wanna to miss it. We love you, we hope you have an amazing week. Peace in Ukraine.